The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. We need to ask if we are now living in an attentional pathogenic environment, one in which tasks that require deep focus, like, say, reading a book, are becoming more and more like running up a down escalator with each year that passes. Your attention didn't collapse. It was stolen by these big and powerful forces. You haven't become weak. You've been hacked. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to the Next Big Idea Daily. I'm your host, Michael Kovnat, and I hate to be the one to break it to you, but summer is pretty much over. Labor Day is upon us. That means it's time to get serious. If you're a student or the parent of a student, you're probably dealing with back-to-school stuff. And if you're a regular working stiff, vacation is over, and it's time to get your head back in the game. But how? You may have noticed that the kind of focus we all need in order to get stuff done is harder and harder to come by. Even if you're tanned, rested, and ready, buckling down and concentrating can be... Hang on, let me just silence that notification while I'm at it. I might as well check my email real quick. I'll be right back. Oh, geez. Did you see that hilarious meme? Your attention, as you may have noticed, has been hijacked. The main culprit would seem to be modern communications technology and the corporate giants that produce it. But we ourselves share some of the blame. After all, in some ways, we clearly like being distracted. There's something in our psychology that wants to check out, and we've built devices that respond to that need. To help you get back on track for school or for work, we've called on some of the smartest writers we know to give us their take on the attention crisis and what we can do about it. And all this week, we'll be hearing from them. First up is journalist Johan Hari. Johan is the author of three New York Times bestselling books, and he joins us today to share some key insights from his latest, Stolen Focus, Why You Can't Pay Attention. Your attention didn't collapse. It was stolen. We are now living in a serious crisis of attention, one that is analogous to the obesity crisis or the climate crisis. The average college student now spends just 65 seconds on each task. The average office worker spends just three minutes. Even the average Fortune 500 CEO only gets 28 minutes uninterrupted focus a day. Most of us are responding to this crisis by blaming ourselves. When I felt my own attention fraying, I'd say, you're weak, you're lazy, your willpower isn't strong enough. But then I spent three years traveling all over the world, interviewing over 200 of the leading experts on this subject. I learned from them that this is in fact a systemic crisis, one that is happening to all of us, and it requires systemic solutions. Professor Joel Nigg, one of the leading experts on children's attention problems in the world, told me we need to ask if we are now living in what he called an attentional pathogenic environment, one in which tasks that require deep focus, like say reading a book, are becoming more and more like running up a down escalator with each year that passes. Your attention didn't collapse. It was stolen by these big and powerful forces. You haven't become weak. You've been hacked. If your screen time shows that you spend three hours a day on your phone, 
then you're losing far more than that in stolen focus. Professor Earl Miller, one of the leading neuroscientists at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, where I interviewed him, told me bluntly, your brain can only produce one or two thoughts in your conscious mind at once. That's it. We're very, very single-minded. Yet the average young person now believes they can follow six or seven forms of media at the same time. But when neuroscientists studied this, they found that when people believe they're doing several things at once, they're actually, as Miller explained, juggling. They're switching back and forth. They don't notice the switching because their brain sort of papers it over to give a seamless experience of consciousness. But what they're actually doing is switching and reconfiguring their brain moment to moment, task to task. And that comes with a cost. He explained that your performance drops, you're slower, all as a result of the switching. It feels like a small effect, but it degrades your attention and thinking by a startling amount. Professor Michael Posner at the University of Oregon found that if you're interrupted, it takes you on average 23 minutes to get back to the same level of focus you had before you were disturbed. So if your screen time shows that you spend three hours a day on your phone, you are actually losing much more. The way we eat in the Western world is severely damaging our attention and focus. A new field of science has emerged in the past few years named nutritional psychiatry, the study of how what we eat affects how our brain works. By interviewing some of the leading figures in this field and others, I learned that the unprecedented shift in the Western world towards eating mostly processed foods has severely affected our ability to focus in three ways. The first, as one of Britain's leading nutritionists, Dr. Dale Pinnock explained to me, is that our diet causes huge energy spikes and then energy crashes, which leave us with brain fog. Imagine you eat white bread or Frosties for breakfast. That releases glucose really fast, giving you a rush of energy. And then your blood sugar crashes and you slump at your desk, feeling drained and unable to think clearly. It is, Pinnock said, like putting rocket fuel into a mini. It would just burn out and bust very quickly because it can't handle that. Secondly, our current diet deprives us of key nutrients that are necessary for our brains to fully develop and grow. A Dutch study assigned children to a diet where they had to cut out most of the synthetic processed foods we eat. 70% of them experienced an increase in intention, and the average improvement was of 50%. Thirdly, our current diet contains dyes and chemicals which act on our brains like drugs, amping us up. A study in Southampton in Britain took a group of kids and divided them into two. One was given a plain drink and the other was given a cocktail of dyes and other chemicals that are found in the candies kids eat every day. The kids given the cocktail were significantly more likely to become wild. We already knew the Western diet was making us obese. It's also ruining our focus. There are two levels at which we need to respond to this crisis. The first is as isolated individuals by making changes in our own lives and our children's lives to protect ourselves from the forces invading our attention. I learned many different techniques, which I go through in the book, to name just one that really helped me. I bought a K-safe, a small plastic safe that will lock away your smartphone for however long you tell it to. 
I imprison my phone and get four hours of undisturbed time every day. There are many methods like this. But we have to be honest with people. Individual changes alone will help, but they will only get us so far. At the moment, it's as though we're all being covered every day with itching powder. And now the person pouring itching powder on us is saying, you know, you might want to learn to meditate, then you wouldn't scratch so much. That's fine. Meditation has value. But we need to band together and collectively take on the forces that are pouring this powder on us to stop them. Just as women needed and need a feminist movement to gain control of their bodies and their lives, I believe we now need an attention movement to reclaim our brains. We can tackle the deep causes of this crisis. To name just one, for as long as social media companies have a business model where they profit from interrupting and distracting us, they will find ever more sophisticated techniques to do it. We need to force them to adopt a different business model. There's a precedent, as the technologist Jaron Lanier has pointed out. In the 1970s, we learned that the lead that was found in our paint and our gasoline was damaging our children's brains. So we banned the lead in paint and gasoline. We still paint our homes and we still drive our cars, but without lead. We now need to do the same with the factors that are ruining our attention today. This requires a shift in perspective. We need to stop asking only for tiny tweaks. We are not medieval peasants begging at the court of King Zuckerberg for crumbs of attention from his table. We are the free citizens of democracies and we own our own minds and we can take them back from the forces that have stolen them. Okay, well, I hope you were able to pay attention to those big ideas from Johan Hari. If you got distracted, don't worry about it. You can replay the episode or check out Johan's ideas on the Next Big Idea app, where you'll find thousands of big ideas from hundreds of smart writers. And if you're still struggling with how to manage your attention, come back tomorrow. We'll hear from UCLA professor Cassie Holmes, who will share the key ideas from her book, Happier Hours, How to Beat Distraction, Expand Your Time, and Focus on What Matters Most. I'm Michael Kovnett. See you tomorrow.